0: Unfiltered News. Real news. Welcome everyone to the Tori says show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is December third, twenty nineteen, and I'm here with you every day, twelve to two Eastern time, live on Red State Talk Radio. Now, before we start our little introduction, I have to say um, that today I had something else, obviously NATO talk planned, but I also wanted to talk election meddling. but I had a very interesting phone call, and I want to give that topic love. Uh, I want you guys to really listen to what is going on and how it's going on. Um, Maybe if you want to prepare uh, your minds to be blown, (laughs) uh, you can go to uh, Millennial Millie on YouTube and watch her latest video, which is uh, perfect. I mean, you could do so much with audio and video, right? She did an amazing job. I'm going to play some of that tomorrow in a whole hour that I'm dedicating just in regards to elections because a lot of things came up. We've got Pennsylvania now coming into the mix. Uh, We need to talk about that. So today we're going to talk about something else, but before we do, let's listen to our song that we're going to keep playing until December 9th (laughs) and then... December 12th. Take a listen.
1: On the first day of Christmas, my true love sent to me a partridge in a pear tree. On the second day of Christmas, my true love sent to me two turtle dogs.
0: How fitting. Three French hens. You know, there's a word in the Greek language called glosha. Glosha is like a hen, but like um, mm, a slut hen, right? (laughs) That has no point or purpose that is simply there to exist. And you use that term of calling someone that specific hen when they're simply a cog in a machine or talking out of both sides of their mouth. And it seems that our president has talked to a lot of people today that speak French, specifically three, again three that we will break down that are French hens. (laughs) So it was pretty interesting how that works out, doesn't it? Uh, So we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about the three french hens uh, going with you know eyebrow gate trudeau uh macron the socialist and the you know stoltenberg uh, the uh, nato guy uh we're also going to talk about iran cuz this you know i told you guys don't listen to the news they're not telling you what's really going on um What you're seeing is not it because I I don't even think a lot of people know that Iran is going through elections right now. So people are registering to become candidates. But here's the other thing that no one's talking about. And believe it or not, no one is even listening or paying attention to is that we have the Under Secretary of state, David Hale testifying in regards to us policy towards Russia. And we need to talk about that. Um, but we're also going to talk about something astonishing that I found pretty alarming today Well, uh, you know, when I received a phone call. So I've been on top of the Democrats trying to attack Christianity, obviously. The deafening silence of not talking about Christians being slaughtered, you know, that's a big deal, right? Why is nobody talking about that? Like, why wouldn't you say that Christians are being slaughtered? So you have to think, why are they blacking it out? Why are they not talking about it? What is going on? Well, turns out they're trying to hijack Christianity. And I mentioned this, that I'm writing up an article, but I was missing information because their strategy had changed. And I hate putting information down. Like I had so much written up on this, guys. But, you know, all my articles have hidden information inside. And unfortunately, uh, this timeline has changed. Uh, they took another route and I missed it. I mean, I didn't really miss it because I got the phone call today delayed by, you know, three days. Uh, but, you know, it's not like everybody can get in touch with, you know, the head priests that guard Jesus's tomb. So you have to be patient, right? But what I realized is, oh boy, they are going for everything. They really don't care. They just want to maintain control. And the way you maintain control is by controlling anything that means something to someone. So for example, if for you, uh, you know, a teddy that you had since you were two is meaningful to you, suddenly that teddy bear is hostage, right? Well, Christianity after it split, um, you know, a couple hundred years after Jesus's death and the Catholic church was created because they wanted a Pope. They wanted someone to be considered holy. Um, and then the historical Christians now known as the Orthodox Christian Orthodox just means straight word. So the historical Christians were like, no, that's not supposed to happen because, um, No man is God or holy. So then, after that split happened and they weaponized religion, you know, for the Crusades and whatnot, we did see that Henry VIII then split the Catholic Church and Christianity by creating the Church of England, right? And he created that Church of England so he could pull away from things, so he can make his divorces legal, you know, fulfill what he wanted. And that change actually. Penetrated the fabric of civilizations across the planet that were Christian, deteriorating, uh, you know, Christianity as a whole. So the backwards ones, the Orthodox, right, are, you know, the Russian Orthodox, Romanian Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, they all say, you know, the country of origin in front of it only because of the language use, because there's Syrian Orthodox, there's Libyan Orthodox. They just say stuff in Arabic. They just say stuff. And it's the same thing. There is no change in the way the church operates, uh, until August of 2019, where we saw a change. And I'll explain to you this change. Once you listen to this segment, that'll blow your mind. And maybe, you'll be able to understand what exactly their plan is. Take a listen. Olivia, now that is. Shannon. Yeah, thank you so much for you're coming. You're welcome.
2: In other news, a tiny ancient relic has now been returned to the birthplace of Jesus centuries after being gifted away. And TV's Nittany Manson has the scoop.
1: 1,400 years ago, a small wooden relic believed to have been part of Jesus Christ's manger was sent to Rome as a present to the Pope. But now the ancient shard, enshrined in an ornate silver case, has made its way back as the Vatican returns the relic to the Church of St. Catherine in Bethlehem, where Jesus was born. And this regifting also comes coinciding with Advent, or the four weeks leading up to Christmas, marking an incredible once-in-a-lifetime Christmas present to the Christians of the region. That said, while the thumb-sized chard will now stay permanently in Judea and Samaria, the original request from Palestinian Authority President Abbas was to borrow the whole manger.
0: She's saying that um, they feel really grateful that they're bringing this piece of Jesus with them back to Bethlehem because they feel the soul of God. <laughs> Um, you know, this is good because this is uh, going to make sure that we can secure Christianity and the existence of Christians in Bethlehem. In a sense, I hope that the manger fully returns to bethlehem still it's an
1: amazing gift and hundreds of worshipers arrived from all over to receive the relic including a group of young palestinian scouts who played bagpipes while the crowd looked on and took pictures then later in the evening the bethlehem city christmas tree was lit for the coming month so it seems that thanksgiving is officially over and the holiday season is here so happy holidays to all so just so you guys
0: know This was done from Israeli TV news, I just wanted to say, because, you know, they're constantly saying how Israelis are nasty, Palestinians are nasty. Here's where I'm going to showcase to you how the Pope is now trying to utilize Palestine. This is so wrong on so many levels to bully um, the guardians of Jesus's tomb in Jerusalem. So... There are Democrats, and I'm still trying to find their names. Man, I have some staffers uh, that are general staffers, and it's so annoying uh, because this is really big, you guys. So just so you understand, there was a big push by the Democratic Party back in 2016, right before President Trump won the elections, And this push was to create the Ukrainian church, meaning they wanted to create a separate Orthodox Christian church called the PCU. I've talked about this before. And the thing is, is Europe pushed. Well, Greece didn't have a choice, which is one of where the biggest heads of the orthodoxy lie, right? Aside from Jerusalem, because the Greeks have the Jerusalem district too, right? In Israel, because they guard the tomb. Remember, St. Paul um, went to Greece and wrote his books. The Corinthians, he was in Corinth. And this is how they maintained, like he would send back his disciples to protect the tomb, to protect relics, etc., etc., etc. Now, the reason I'm pointing this out to you is because, okay, in Istanbul, which is known as Constantinople, really, and um, which is where the Greek church heads are, they were forced to comply with European Council regulations and laws, to allow the Ukraine to have their own version of Orthodoxy, to break that fabric. Now, here's what happens. Okay, just so you guys get it. When Henry the decided to take away that fabric of Christianity on the, you know, from Catholicism. That allowed the states to confiscate land, property, monasteries um, as a whole, because they were now not under one rule, but many. And so this is where we saw Catholic, um, you know, monasteries pretty much be reduced to nothing. And properties were literally confiscated the church including their relics now this is this was anticipated by the Greek uh church the head the autocephalous um the, the 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 head of the orthodoxy church it was anticipated so i don't know what they had but whatever they had And they had sent off to Jerusalem for taking care of things. Russia is also being pressured by their Russian church. They are literally penetrating religion to force Russia to acknowledge the PCU. And even in Russia, where they are not even part of the EU, their church is fracturing right now. The Greek one, it's done. It's dusted. And like I've said, my my uncle is actually one of the 12, you know, leaders of the Greek church. And that's pretty high up there. And they are devastated because they were forced to. So now in Jerusalem, where everything lies and Jesus's tomb is there, they are being pressured to acknowledge and recognize the PCU the Ukrainian version of or, of the Orthodox Church right as something legitimate now if they do that then they need to forfeit their artifacts and the tomb of Jesus is then confiscated completely now what happened was that in 2015 the obama administration claimed That within the churches in the Ukraine, Russia had priests that were spies. And this is how they, um, well, they fed that little earwig in 2014. In 2015, it was very well established where they were literally kicking priests out that have been there for 50 years from the Soviet times, priests. And I've said this before, I don't care what you think of Russia, Russia or anyone. But one thing's for sure, you don't mess with religion because it's so deeply embedded in their culture for uh, you know countries like that. This is why the whole thing happened in Donbass. You know, people don't tell you the truth. This is the truth. When I say it's spiritual warfare, man, you have no idea. And what the Pope did just now by returning the relic to Bethlehem, was to force a response, was to manipulate the Palestinians. You know, I don't know. They may have already done it. And that is what the assumption is, is that the Palestinian Christian Orthodox churches are set to recognize the Ukrainian, which means you literally sign a document. And that document for the Greeks, was signed on August nineteenth, 2019. It's recent, you guys. This isn't like super old news. It just took a very long time for the Democrats and the globalists to get it done. And the last frontier is standing in Israel and Jerusalem. And guess who is guarding Christianity? Keep this in mind. Now, Judaism by no means agrees with Christianity at all. In fact, they despise it. But, you know, at the core, right? Just like all religions, every other religion is wrong. Mine's right. You're wrong. Blah, blah, right? They're actually defending the church. The foreign ministry of Israel is taking no part in these conversations and is reluctant to chime in, even though they're being pressured by the Democrats to take a position. This is confiscation of Jesus's tomb. This is no joke because the minute that happens, monasteries shut down in Greece already. And there's tons, you know, uh, my, my, my daughters were actually baptized in monasteries. Uh, in a mountain with like 88 nuns singing, I kid you not, it was the most beautiful thing ever. I can tell you that they're shutting them down because their properties are being confiscated. No joke. And, you know, again, you don't have to be Christian. Nobody, you should just respect the fact that this is a religion that has been consistent since zero AD, right? Zero AD, they founded the first churches. They um, wrote, they kept all the relics and it, you know, the Ethiopians are another area that has been attacked. And from what I gathered from my phone call earlier today, um, they had sent off their relics to an unknown place uh, I, you know, I had heard that they had the Ark of the Covenant at some point, I don't know, but they are the most devout Orthodox Christians. I'll tell you what, I was so taken, like I've had Easter and resurrection services in Jerusalem before I have, uh, right at the tomb of Jesus Christ, which was incredible, If ever you can, you know, make that trip, I tell you, you will never, ever forget it. But when I was in Portland, this comes second, I went to church um, for the resurrection and there was a big uh, Ethiopian American community. Man, it was beautiful. They come out with drums. It it was just amazing. Uh, you know that that was something i had never experienced until i was in portland oregon like go figure so it was it was a pretty incredible experience and what i'm seeing now is that the catholic church is actually trying to weaponize the christians in palestine uh specifically bethlehem to get their way if the Palestinian Christians decide to bend the knee, they're closer to the finish line than we think. And this is very, very alarming, and everyone should be very distraught. Just like the Muslims are, okay, let's put it this way, that their religion is weaponized. Because I know we understand that many religions cannot you know, uh, don't, do not agree with the way of life, the way society and civilization has evolved. I mean, neither can Judaism. Uh, you know, um, even uh, Judaism has, you know, hey, when I die, I'll, you know, whatever, you know, Gentiles, whatever. None of them really practice that. Just like Christians don't sell their kids for cows anymore. The thing is, weaponization of religion is very personal. And this is why the Taliban, it's really, really hard to get rid of them. Any radicalized religious faction is a problem. Any. It could be Hinduism, you know, shaikhism, Judaism, Christianity. Weaponized religion is something you can't mess with, right? Just like weaponized politics. So this is something of urgency and nobody is talking about it. Nobody is talking about it. And there's, I wrote the article and I was like, well, I'm going to nail which Democrats are doing this. And it is so obfuscated. It is ridiculous, you guys. Like, I got a name of someone that does photocopies in the house. Like, how is that person, how does that person have the clout to reach out to the head Of the Orthodox Church in Jerusalem they don't so it's a front I want to know who's behind it so if President Trump isn't on it because they said it they've reached out to the Trump administration for assistance they told me this it's the Democrat and I'm like give me a name give me a name and all they gave me is names of people that photocopy and are general staff. They're not, they don't belong to a specific house member, which is so frustrating. I want all of you to know this. Spiritual warfare? Huh. It's right here. Because the battle fronts that we are fighting right, you know, I've said it before. The only reason he won the election is because people prayed. And prayer regardless of what religion you are allows you to kind of fine tune yourself and say things you want to say and ask for things, putting it out there into the universe. Like I would really need some help with this, or I would really like this. And, you know, a lot of people out there, just like myself, are like, yo, I'm doing good. Why am I not getting back? Yo, I'm putting it out there. It's not coming out. We just don't see it. It works so differently. And maybe all these prayers of I can't hold three jobs. I need some help. Uh, Why is my job being sold to the Philippines? Which, by the way, United Airways has all customer service in the Philippines. Just letting you know. You know, why don't I, why can't I do this? They're phasing out this. Help me. Maybe the answer is with the people that come toward you, the people that enter your life, the people that you're like, whoa, what a coincidence, totally met you, or the people you elect or presidents like Trump. So this is the biggest problem I see right now. So if there was a heat map, that is where I would look because in history, look at your history books. All wars start with one of two things. It's about a woman, right? The Trojan war was about a chick, right? Most wars are about chicks and what else? Religion. The most savage damage is done with radicalizing a religion or attacking a religion. I mean, The Taliban is just an example on how it evolved into Al-Qaeda, etc., etc., etc. But before that, we had the Christian Crusades or how they would chop people's head off because the Pope said so. that it was a sin. This is terrifying to think that the initiation of any, you know, monotheistic religion is now under attack because it was the first monotheistic religion that existed in what we would call modern times is AD. So on that note, and before we get to the break, I want you all to just say a little prayer for yourself, if anything, Um, because this is indeed terrifying, and I can't stress that enough, just how terrifying it is. I'll see you in a bit.
4: Hey, this is Leonora Cravoda from Red State Talk Radio for my pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. one 961 9194 promo code State. Put sleepless nights behind you with MyPillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For
0: the best night's
1: sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com.
2: Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed.
0: All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. All right. So uh, let's tuck that topic in for now as it develops. Um, I want to just make mention before we start on analyzing, uh, you know, head of NATO, Sullenberg and President Trump's conversation, I wanted to make mention to you that um, justice in general, never takes a day off, right? The courts are always full. Sentences are always passed. It never stops, right? And we see that the Department of Justice on a federal level is nonstop. You know, they're they're, they're pursuing, they're doing daily. Like uh, justice.gov, you'll see, you know, seven huge cases that they've been working on for forever almost daily. That's an average. Some are 10, some are four, you know, so seven is the average. Well, seeing that the Justice Department for six days now has suddenly had a pause, right? Just look at their Twitter feed. They're like retweeting stuff. I means something really big, I means some really huge announcements are coming. Because silence is so deafening. So it's important for us to listen within the empty space that there is going to be a lot coming down, a lot, because usually they're right there and just like, gosh darn it, on cue, on cue, on cue. Department of Justice announces indictment charging Russians, Italians, and others with attempting to evade security sanctions. I am telling you guys, I was like waiting for this. There's one. Okay, there's one. It is about to go crazy because they haven't made any actual big announcements since, oh gosh, I want to say... Um well the ISIS report was on the twenty seventh. It's the third. I'm just saying. So that was one that in Georgia they charged the two Russians. I was waiting for that one. The indictment was from twenty nineteen, the federal grand jury, I'm just saying. And what they did was they um they were done. <laughs> they were they were Um, indicted because they were violating or conspiring to violate sanctions on uh, that have been applied by our nation. That is called defrauding the United States by evading sanctions um, to keep um, our products out of the hands of dangerous people. Like, you know, um, for example, you know, not, selling oreo cookies to iran for example right we're not allowed to trade with them at all so it's they didn't do that they had to do with like um i think it was like turbines or something like that i don't remember when i was reading on it and you're gonna be like Tori, how did you know it was sealed yeah tori knows a lot of stuff so (laughs) i'm just saying that is something uh that you should be paying attention to. If you're not following their Twitter handle, you should because they tell you so much more than you know. And their frequency and the way they speak about things is, um, how shall I say not interesting, but very telling as to what has been going on in the background. And for me, it was deafening. And just as I'm about, it's like they knew what I was going to do, right? They just dropped that tweet. Ugh. Darn it. The Justice Department didn't let me scoop them. <laughs> so that was, that is something that I, I, I'm i just saying, if we pay attention to these little things Everything starts to make sense. Everything. Um, so now what I want to do is play the first, you know, 10 minutes, not, not like full 10 minutes, like few minutes of President Trump's discussions with, um, the, with, with NATO in regards to what's going on. Uh, he slams Macron for bad-mouthing NATO, but you'll see how NATO is praising him. Mm, and it's very, very telling. So I'm just going to let that percolate for a little bit with you guys. Let's take a listen.
7: This contract was extended. I was very happy about that. If you really are, you're doing a fantastic job. We appreciate it. Uh, I think the Secretary General will tell you that through some work and some negotiation, we've increased the budget of uh, countries other than the USA because we're paying far more than anybody else, and far more even as a percentage of GDP, but we've increased the numbers that other countries are paying by $130 billion. Uh, it was going down for close to 20 years. If you look at a chart, it was like a roller coaster down, and that was going on for a long time. You wouldn't have had a NATO if you kept going that way, and now we've really uh, increased it incredibly well, and I'm happy to have helped. But the Secretary has been looking to do that for a long time, and I can tell you he's very happy about it. And uh, just generally, we're going to have a very big couple of days. I believe we're going to have a tremendous couple of days, but very big, very important. We have uh, tremendous spirit as it pertains to NATO, I would say, except perhaps for one country. And we'll be talking to that one country. We'll see how it works out. And actually, the one country has a couple of points, but those points are very devastating to NATO. We'll find out about uh, that during the next two days. And with that, I'd like to introduce the Secretary-General,
8: Sergio Hoyer. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. President. It's good to see you again, and I'm looking forward to celebrate uh, the 70th anniversary of our alliance together with all the other leaders today and uh, tomorrow. We are making real uh, progress, uh, most importantly uh, on burden sharing, uh, and uh, your leadership on defense spending is having a real uh, impact. Uh, Since 2016, uh, Canada and European allies uh, have added 130 billion more uh, to their defense uh, budgets, and this number will increase to 400 uh, billion U.S. dollars by 2024. Uh, this is unprecedented. This is uh, making NATO uh, stronger, and it uh, shows that uh, this alliance is adapting to responding when the world is, uh, is changing. We will, of course, also address a wide range of other issues, including uh, the fight against terrorism, arms control, uh, our relationship with Russia, uh, the rights of uh, China, and uh, NATO is the most successful alliance in history, because we have been able to change when the world is changing. That's exactly what we are doing again. And the fact is that we are doing more together in this alliance now than we have done for many decades. So once again, thank you for your leadership and your strong commitment to NATO. I loved your statement that we're able to
7: change when the world is changing. You do have to do that. Your original mission was somewhat different than it is now today. The world is a lot different than it was back then. But uh, that's a very profound statement, that it's a statement that everybody has to understand is very, to me, very important. Okay, thank you very much, everybody. here in London, are you going to be seeing Prime Minister Johnson? And do you have any thoughts on The I have no thoughts on it. It's going to be a, a very important election for this great country, but uh, I have no thoughts on it. I will be meeting with him. When will that be? I don't know. I have to schedule over here. I have, I have many. I have many meetings. I have meetings set up with lots of different countries. President
2: Macron, president about NATO, saying that it is brain dead. Who said that?
7: President Macron. I know. And then Turkey responded by saying that he was brain dead, which is interesting. Now NATO serves a great purpose. Uh, It got to be unfair for the United States because the United States was paying a disproportionate amount. And I heard that uh, President Macron said NATO is brain dead. I think that's very insulting to a lot of different forces, including a man that does a very good job in running NATO. Uh, it, It has a great purpose, especially with the fact that NATO is becoming much more flexible in terms of what it looks at. But I was very surprised. I'd like to ask you, what did you think he made a statement about NATO being brain dead? What did you think?
8: Well, I, that's not the case, because actually NATO is active, NATO is agile, NATO is adapting. And and we have just implemented the largest reinforcement of collective defense since the end of the Cold War, with high readiness of our troops. For the first time in our history, we have combat the troops uh, in the eastern part of the alliance. Uh, European allies and Canada are in investing more also in high-end uh, capabilities and we are stepping up uh, the fight against terrorism and we are our, as an alliance for the first time also addressing uh, the security implications of the rise of China. So the reality is that this alliance have proven once again uh, to be able to adapt to change responding to a changing world. So that, that's the reason why we are a success, the ability to change when the world is changing.
7: It's a tough statement, though, when you make a statement like that. That is a very, a very very nasty statement to essentially 28, including them, 28 countries. I think that, uh, you know, you have a very high unemployment rate in France. France is not doing well economically at all. Uh, they're starting to tax other people's products, so therefore we go going tax them. It's just taking place
0: right now. And Okay, let me just stop you guys and uh, stop this one second. So first of all, I just wanted to say I'm really excited. I have one super best friend. She actually lives in France. She gave birth to two twin baby boys the other day. So shout out to Paris. Um, now, um... I can tell you that what he's saying about them being broke is not even funny. Unemployment is horrific. Uh, costs are being driven up. Healthcare is very subpar. And here's the thing. They just signed a bill a couple days ago where they're charging a uh, tech tax. You remember Andrew Yang, how he said he was going to be charging companies for technology or using the internet and sh- and, and, and and all these um, uh, Uh, what was it the the structural components that's what he said for the structural components of integration through the cyberspace and that tax would then come back to the people as a thousand dollars well macron just did that but here's the kicker he did that now and asked for it to be retroactively implemented since january so that means companies like google Apple, Amazon, eBay, um, websites, um, servers. Um, I don't anything that operates electronically or sells things electronically. Like, full the supermarket. If you're ordering online, they have to pay a tax all retroactively. They want lump cash payment. That is insane. This is how desperate he is. They're taxing people. They're taxing companies for using the internet. And the more technology they gain, the more tax they pay. But then they don't have to pay employees. So like, who cares? So you're going to now phase out human work to put it all digitized. Because the tax you're going to pay is going to be a lot less than paying salaries. Kind of like what Andrew Yang was saying. So this is really important. Now... Through this conversation, I hope you realize that NATO is totally kissing tushies here because he's made them rich, he's brought back money, but they understand that if he pulls out, everything falls apart. And the fact that Macron called them brain dead, they don't get it. Bullying doesn't work with a man like President Trump. He is not your puppet. And I know they didn't like Obama because he took lead in a nasty, underhanded, shady way. You know, think about it. How is he worth multi-millions? Like, what? What? He didn't do anything special. He's a senator that came out of nowhere being senator, suddenly became president. Now he's worth multiple millions and millions of dollars. Scott Adams was telling me this morning, it's only like 150 million. Like, what did he do to make that money? $50 million Netflix deal? Where that at? That's another word for money laundering. Kind of like book deals. Kind of like blimps. So it's like, This is ridiculous. They are literally kissing our tushies because we're funding the coffers back because we're taking lead and saying, no, this was a good idea. It was done in a good way. Now we got to do it. Now they ask him questions. That's bizarre. I think it was during the Trudeau meeting, Uh, but take a listen to the next like minute or so. So you get the gist of it
7: technology and we're doing their wines and everything else and it's uh it's a very tough statement to make when you have such difficulty in in france you look at what's happened with the yellow vests or you look at what's going on during certain parts of their season they've had a very rough year and you just can't go around making statements like that about nato it's very disrespectful Mr.
5: Mr. the Department of Justice uh, Inspector General's
9: report is due out soon and it's been reported that the Attorney General disagrees with that conclusion. Do you agree with the Attorney General Barr? Well,
5: I just don't know. Uh,
7: yeah, I just don't know. I haven't seen it. Uh, I purposely stay out of it. We have a great Attorney General. He's a very fair man. He's a great gentleman. Uh, he didn't need this job. He took this job because he wanted to do something great for the country. As you know, he was a very successful man. Uh, picked a, a great company to work for. when he left, as you know, he picked a great company to work for. But is a very successful man, didn't need the job, uh, he's doing a great job. I have not seen the report, perhaps he's read the report. I think he was uh, quoted incorrectly, I do believe that, because I'm hearing there, the report is very powerful, but I'm hearing that by reading lots of different things, not from inside information, mm-hmm. it's really from outside information. I think all we have to do is wait. Isn't it going to be released on Monday, Monday or so? Uh, I think we have to read it and we have to see it. But I hear there's a lot of uh, devastating things in that report. But we'll see what happens. Look, we have a few days to wait. We've been all waiting a long time. I do think the big report to wait for is going to be the Durham report. That's the one that people are really waiting for and he's highly respected. And, uh, where, and he's worked very hard, and he's worked uh, long hours, I can tell you, and gone all over the world. So we'll see. But the Durham report is a report people are really uh, looking forward to. But this is a very important report. The IG report is a very important report. Uh, if what I read is correct, I read it in your newspaper. If what I read is correct, uh, that would be uh, a little disappointing but it was just one asset, one aspect of the report. We'll see what happens. We'll see it. It's coming out in a few days. I hear it's devastating, but we'll soon find out.
0: Okay, so uh, first of all, I noticed from messages and everything, I was kicked off when I was talking about the turbines with the Russians and the Italians. Uh, guess nobody wanted that out there, but I just wanted to throw that parentheses in, is that... That's really important because remember, what missiles were being used when there were attacks? Weren't they Italian-made, Spanish-made? Okay, I'm just pointing that out, just saying. So going back to this topic, right, I just wanted to say that and thank you everyone for letting me know because I realized that a few minutes into my show, the it disconnected and started to replay. Uh, But don't worry, I upload all my things. And you can also, by the way, find me on iHeartRadio podcasts. Um, So you won't miss it. Uh, Here, President Trump, addresses the leaks (laughs) remember we've been through this before we talked about huber last year but he didn't come we got huber no mention of durham yet so it's like we're gonna declass i'm telling you comey's going straight to jail he's not even passing go um and he was like yeah well i don't know if it's true if it's true it's disappointing but it wasn't he's asset oh i mean aspect (laughs) You know, misspellings, missaying. Sometimes they're on purpose. So here the, here he is talking about NATO, and they're asking him about the IG report and how he feels about it. This is how disgusting the media is. Instead of making it about NATO, they're asking about this. Check the next question out. How do you NATO together
1: this summer? Yes. <laughs>
0: Well, I think the
7: Secretary General has done a good job in bringing NATO together. The, the, it's been unfair because the United States is paying 4 percent, and some people could say 4.3 percent of the largest GDP there is in the world by far, because we have brought it to a level that nobody thought even possible. So we're paying 4 to 4.3 percent, when Germany is paying 1 to 1.2 percent, at max 1.2 percent of a much smaller GDP. That's not fair and it's look uh, it's not it 's not fair also when you have the European Union, many of these are the same countries, but you have the European Union treating the United States very, very unfairly on trade. Uh, the deficit for many many years for decades, but the deficit for many, many years has been astronomical with the United States and Europe in their favor and i 'm changing that and i 'm changing it fairly rapidly but it's not it 's not right to be taken advantage of on nato and also then to be taken advantage of on trade, and that's what happens. And we can't let that happen. So uh, we're talking to the European Union, and we're talking to various countries about NATO, but we're talking to the European Union about trade, and they have to shape up. Otherwise, things are going to get very tough.
8: But let me just add that NATO is the only place where North America and Europe meet every day, where we discuss, decide, and take actions together responding to a wide range of different uh, security threats and challenges. And we do that uh, more now than we have done for many, many uh, years. And the reality is that, uh, not least because it has been so clearly conveyed from uh, President Trump, that we need fair, burden-sharing allies are uh, stepping up. And we are also modernizing this alliance, responding to new challenges in cyber, in, uh, in space, we will uh, declare space as a new operational domain for uh, NATO, something we never had before. So it, it just highlights that, uh, well, there are differences because we are 29 different countries from both sides of the Atlantic with different political parties in power, with different history, different geography. But despite these differences, we have always been able to unite around our core courthouse, to protect and defend each other because we are stronger and safer together. And I'm absolutely certain that will also be the case now.
0: Okay, that's what you needed to hear. So the secretary general, uh, you know, you guys really have to, he looks panicked. He's like, man, if Trump pulls out of NATO, we're all screwed. The second most powerful army is Turkey and they're, based with the muslim brotherhood the european union is trying to pull fast ones because they're like oh well we dominate all of europe and we like drive things and watch us because they're so pissed you should see trump's face uh literally when this guy's saying he's literally saying if trump leaves we're all screwed get this together you guys space is a problem oh Isn't that what Putin was talking about? He's like, why is nobody talking about the START agreement? We're going to have nuclear weapons being launched from space. Putin said that. He said, we all need to come to the table. And imagine if the U.S. broke from NATO. NATO goes bottom up and every man for themselves. And top, U.S. Second, Russia. Third, China. The European Union as a whole conglomerate is like, at the bottom of the list, Venezuela. Way higher than the EU. Brazil, way higher than the EU. I mean, this is about to get really ugly. And this guy, even though he's, you know, a globalist, he's like, man, don't do this. Man, don't do this. Macron shouldn't have said that. This is wrong. This is this. Trump's like, testing my patience. I'm being patient. You all either come together and meet me in the middle or, you know, I'm taking the glove off. And this is basically what's happening these two days. And nobody, is reporting it and here's how we see the smackdowns i'll start with canada canada is the exciting one where he literally smacks down on macron first i'll skip over what macron says i want you to listen to the opening of president trump and then um you know and then we'll jump over to where the president smacks him down take a listen Oh wow! They won't even let me do it.
2: Nice play, You're keeping it
0: I think they took the video down, so I have to like sit through it with the stupid clicking, which is going to eat into the commercial break. So that means that we're going to have to revisit this. I see Pompeo sitting at the head over there, flanking the president. Thank you very much,
7: everybody. A question was asked just a little while ago about supporting the people protesting in Iran and are going through a very tough period, and we do support them totally and have supported them from the beginning. Uh, the question was asked, uh, do we support them, I thought, financially. And we haven't supported them. I don't know that we've ever been actually asked to support them financially. And I, you know, somebody asked, maybe we would. But we support them very, very seriously. Uh, the people that are protesting in Iran, they're looking for their freedom. And uh, we are uh, fully in support of them. So I wanted to, just in case anybody had any questions, uh, we haven't been asked to support them financially, which I assume that's what the question was just to make sure everybody understood it. Uh, it's an honor to be with. A-
0: okay. So I'll start that right after the break. But as you heard, he talked about Iran. I've told you, Iran is coming to the table right now. That's all going to happen. Iran is finally liberated. Finally going to see freedom. Finally, our work in that region will be recognized. Uh, President Trump has made great strides and has evolved the whole situation to remove all the bad actors in Iran. So what you are hearing isn't true. Their Internet was down and now back up, reinforced cyber ironclad. And like he said, if they ask, We're more than happy to help. That should tell you everything you need on that. Right after the break, we're going to come back, talk about Macron, Trudeau to wrap it up and then jump into the testimony that no one's talking about in regards to Russia. I'll see you all in just a bit.
6: Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn, Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.MikeFlynnDefenseFund.org. Thank you and God bless America.
10: Hi, I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Big tech social media companies have made it their goal to censor and ultimately shut down conservative voices as a way to control political dialogue ahead of the 2020 elections. Few things are more un-American than censorship. Yet now, more than ever, we see glaring examples of it daily. Conservative accounts suspended or banned for innocuous postings, while liberal accounts with far more egregious content continue to operate freely and unencumbered. As someone banned on nearly every single social media platform with even Chase Bank temporarily shutting down online access to my bank account, I understand the dangers of this far better than most. We cannot allow big tech social media companies to continue acting as liberal publishers free from oversight and regulation. Tech companies have used censorship not only as a way to silence those who they disagree with politically, but also as a way to incite violence against conservatives. While conservatives are banned and shut down, Terrorist organizations like Hamas and Antifa, criminals, and even human traffickers are freely using social media to communicate. Americans deserve a fair and transparent playing field from big tech. And when in Congress, holding these companies and their executives accountable will be a top priority of mine.
0: Go to lauralumerforcongress.com to donate today. I want to thank each and every one of my listeners. Almost a year No, exactly a year and four weeks ago, I started this radio show. I didn't know that the need, well, I did, but I really didn't know that there was such a great need uh, for news to come through unfiltered, both domestic and global. I'm glad that I am filling a need. I mean, that is what inventions are about um, and I haven't invented anything I've stuck to the wheel the wheel is something that you can't reinvent and news shouldn't be reinvented because then they're no longer news I'd like to thank all of you for all your support because I couldn't have done it without you welcome to red state talk radio Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. This is the second hour of the Tory Says Show and our first hour was a little bit interrupted when we started to get into details about sanctions but now we're just going to focus on what's happening in NATO um, we're going to focus on the undersecretary's testimony today and um listen to what pompeo had to say on fox and friends too i think we'll start with that before we uh get back into nato which is you know the smackdown of the canadian prime minister his eyebrows were in check today and um Macron. But on that note, I tweeted out, I want all of you to tell me because I saw this morning that they were running, oh, Kamala Harris is like buying all this TV airtime in Iowa and I'm like, "Uh-oh, she's dropping out." So, I wanted to ask all of you, who do you think is going to drop out first? Is it going to be Kamala Harris or Amy Klobuchar? Is it going to be the woman that's pretending she's Indian, she's black, even though she's Indian, or is it Amy Klobuchar that's part of this military-industrial complex of the Ukraine? Which one? Huh. That's interesting, right? Uh, my money's on the fake African-American, fake black woman. She is totally Indian, you know, but people forget that three years ago she was celebrated as the first Indian-American senator, and now she's black, of course. Good friends. Good morning.
11: Good morning. it 's great to be with you again well I know you're, you know you 're going to be focused
2: on what 's happening in nato the president 's going to be focusing on what happened in NATO, but they 're also going to be trying to get split your attention to what 's going to be happening in Washington uh, with uh, with these ongoing impeachment hearings. Uh, what is your respo- how do you feel about the white house 's decision not to send a lawyer there
11: look that 's the white house 's call they 've watched this process be tremendously unfair all the way through. I think they 're concerned that this Process will continue to be unfair, and they've made this decision not to send a counsel for at least this part of the proceeding. Uh, president's traveling to London. He leaves this morning. I'm down in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, delivering a foreign policy announcement on behalf of America. Uh, we'll be headed to talk.
0: Okay, that's what I wanted you to hear. What was Secretary Pompeo? Where was he? Oh, he was in Kentucky. <laughs> Nothing to do with election fraud. You got me. Nothing to do with election fraud. Let's. Nothing to see here, guys.
11: With our NATO partners, we've done amazing work over our time in office to get NATO to step up those countries to spend more money to secure, uh, uh, to secure themselves and to secure the world. We're very proud of what's been accomplished under the Trump administration at NATO. What Spending up 4.6 of...
2: percent.
10: What do you make of the timing That's good. of that About this... $130
11: billion. Dollars. I was just going to say, yeah, about $130 billion in increased spending so far, several hundred billion more in increased spending over the next three or four years. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a direct result of President Trump making it clear our expectations that these Europeans would step up to help secure their own people.
0: So phase two of impeachment begins on Wednesday, as this is, is, as House
10: Judiciary will be calling witnesses and now talking about impeachment. The president is in London, as you're you're talking about, for the NATO's leaders' meeting. And his his attorney sent this fiery letter, five-page letter, to Jerry Nadler and folks on on that committee and said, look, the timing on this, you, you obviously are doing this on purpose. You said they said that the letter said uh, Nadler purposely scheduled these hearings knowing that the President would be away. What do you make of the timing?
11: Yeah, it's a long tradition uh, that we support presidents when they travel overseas to do their work uh, for them to hold hearings back here in Washington to distract. Uh, america's president from his important mission overseas I mean, these are some of our most important allies and partners in keeping the american people safe and secure i regret that they've chosen to hold these hearings at the same time that the president and our entire national security team will be traveling to europe to london to work on these important matters it's it's very unfortunate
2: yeah once upon a time uh, politics used to end at the water's edge that's not today uh, mr secretary uh... the president of ukraine spoke to time magazine and made it very clear no quid pro quo here's part of his uh... interview he said look i never talked to the president From the position of a quid pro quo, that's not my thing. I don't want us to look like beggars, but you have to understand we're at war with Russia. If you're our strategic partner, then you can't go blocking anything for us. I think that's just about fairness. It's not about quid pro quo. It just goes without saying. Your comment about that?
11: I certainly understand uh, the Ukrainian leadership wanting uh, assistance from the United States of America. In fact, the the Ukrainian leadership wanted uh, defensive, lethal assistance from the United States of America for many years during President Obama's time, and he refused each and every year to provide that assistance. Yeah. Now, this administration, not once not twice, but now three times, has provided uh, the weapons, the defensive systems that the Ukrainian military needed to defend themselves against the Russian activities in uh, southeast Ukraine, in the Donbass region. Um, we've been relentless in pursuing this strategic objective. We've supported the Ukrainian people and their capacity to defend themselves. I'm proud of what we've done. I certainly understand that President Zelensky would want more and he'd want it faster. Uh, I, I can certainly understand that, but this administration has done a yeoman's work in providing this assistance to the Ukrainian defense forces.
2: Right. Uh, are you under the belief that Zelensky is doing the types of things that make you think that he is a reformer that would allow you to really dig in and support him? Because most people like you will say to us that Ukraine is the stop on Russia from them reclaiming all their other provinces and reestablishing the Soviet Union. So do you believe Zelensky's the guy?
0: Reestablishing the Soviet Union. What is he smoking?
11: Brian it's a it's a step forward. There is no doubt about that. He is working hard. He is digging in. Uh, we're providing assistance to help uh, ferret out corruption there. Uh, to to make this a place where the Ukrainian people can be proud of their democracy and the absence of corruption. Uh, There's an awful lot of work to do. There's no there's no effort uh, on anyone's part. I think President Zelensky would say this, too, to claim victory against the risk of corruption. Uh, But he has certainly made improvements, steps in the right direction. We're we're happy about that. and We're going to continue to support his efforts to do that.
0: Did you see how he didn't even acknowledge that comment? That was so (laughs) so fed uh, with the 4am drops. Ridiculous. All right, let's listen to his Canadian counterpart discussion that they're not letting me rewind on. So I think the video has been deleted. So we're not going to move the needle fast forward. We'll just mute it when Macron is blowing smoke. Uh, I mean, Trudeau is blowing smoke.
7: A friend of mine who just had a great election victory That's congratulations. Thank you, Donald. And he's uh, done a very good job. And we actually have a very good relationship, and a good relationship in terms of our countries. Uh, we're working on the USMCA. We're trying to get Nancy Pelosi to put it up for a vote. You know, if it gets put up for a vote, it passes. Uh, but uh, so far, she hasn't decided to do that. It's up to her. It's actually a single ind- individual has the, uh, the Speaker of the House. It's that person's decision, and she's the Speaker of the House. And it's a great deal for Mexico and for Canada and for the United States. And it's a lot of jobs for everybody, and it replaces a deal that's really a lousy deal, a bad deal for, I can tell you, I, I, what I would say for the United States, that uh, the deal that we have right now is is terrible, NAFTA, terrible. It's been a terrible deal for the United States. So. Uh, we look forward to being able to vote on take the vote on USMCA. It's been there for a long time, and at some point, uh, perhaps uh, the president uh, of Mexico, we have a, a wonderful man there. You know, really, is he's been a wonderful man. Uh, they'll get tired, and the prime minister will get tired. he will say, "Look, let's forget this deal." And I could understand it if you did. It's been sitting in Congress now for six or seven months, and uh, it's a great deal for everybody. So hopefully they can get it done and get it done fast. And it's uh, one of the few transactions I think all three countries benefit, really as a unit against the world, if you look at it. It really is a unit against the world. And that's the way we looked at it right from the beginning, so we hope that's uh, the case. Uh, Again, congratulations. We're going to be talking about a number of subjects, including additional trade to that and uh, the military and the military presence. And it's great being at NATO. We had uh, some real success, I think, and some very successful talks having to do with NATO. Uh, As you know, a lot of the countries have stepped up, and they're putting in at least 130, probably the exact number is $131 billion more. And that's great. And they have commitments for $400 billion. So it really has become a force. And as we've discussed in the past, uh, there's going to be great flexibility shown now with NATO. We can go uh, to other parts of the world. Not just one focus. It's a lot of focuses. And we need a lot of focuses. Uh, We need a lot of focus. We'll be looking at uh, other forms of terror. We'll be looking at other countries. Uh, We'll be looking at countries that are aggressive and uh, not just one particular part of this world. So, I think NATO's become a very big factor over the last two or three years. You've been involved, I've been involved, and a lot of good things have happened, and it's great to have you here. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. Me. Congratulations. Thank you. It's.
0: All right. I'm going to mute him while he talks because he's going to be talking about how great he is. But I wanted to point out how the president said, you know, hey, everyone's now stepping up. Now they're paying their due. We got 130 billion, actually 131 billion and more so being dedicated. This allows us flexibility to focus on other things of our world, you know, uh, referring to space, other forms of terror of our world. Uh, not any specific region in specific, but things that seem to be aggressive, uh you know, of our world. Uh, pay attention. Uh, you know, it was really funny that yesterday, um there was a tweet that I didn't even know about. And Robbie Starbucks actually tweeted it out. So after we hear President Trump slam uh, Trudeau into, um, you know, a box, um, <laughs> he uh, literally put him in a box calling him out in front of everyone. He looks so uncomfortable. And just a uh, note, he sounds a lot more... Mm, feminine uh, when he's talking. Uh, so we're going to hear him now speak. Hold on. We're going to hear President Trump speak. Look at how he puts him in a box.
9: Any questions yes, Mr. President? Uh, climate change is a top priority for the Prime Minister here as well as for President Macron earlier. We've not heard him talk I think about
7: it all the time, Phil. So, and honestly, climate change is very important to me. And, you know, I've done many environmental impact st- statements over my life. And uh, I believe in, uh, I believe very strongly in very, very crystal clear, clean water and clean air. That's a big part of climate change. I also oh, what happened? happened are they messing oceans, with the video, you guys? Hold on. Hold on a second.
0: Unlimited- oh, wow. They are literally messing with the video. Hold on a sec. Let me see. If I can get that. Oh, gosh, darn it. Because it seems like they skipped over a whole part. It's black. It just jumped to 20 minutes. And it's like, what happened? Oh, my gosh. They totally edited this. And this is Fox editing it. Oh, dear. (laughs) Oh, dear. Hold on. Let's see. Is it here?
2: And it it has to... Uh, forward battle group in uh, Latvia we're leading the command
7: okay
0: here we go Hold
2: on. military presence but
7: understand it if you did it's been sitting in Congress now for six or seven months and uh, <coughs> it's a great deal for everybody so hopefully they can get it done and get it done fast and it's uh, one of the few transactions I think all three countries benefit really as a unit against the world if you look at it, it really is a unit against the world and that's the way we looked at it right from the beginning. So we hope that's uh, the case. Uh, again, congratulations. We're going to be talking about a number of subjects, including additional trade to that, and, uh,
0: the, military and the
7: military. The military guys. And this was like the soundbite.
0: Hold on.
2: Together on on the uh, USMCA as we move forward. Shoot. We need a lot of focus. Uh, we need a lot guys, of focus. they deleted
0: the video. We'll it was looking
2: looking like a. At, uh, other forms of terror. We'll be looking at he said that already. Strength in ensuring that people. Okay. Trump, uh, the relationship between Canada Here and we go. the United States uh, uh, is incredibly strong. I don't think it's ever been stronger. Uh, our work together on on the uh, USMCA as we move forward towards ratification has been uh, really tremendous. It's been uh, it's been a great process uh, working with uh, with between your team and our team, uh, working with the Mexicans as well. Uh, we know that we're here for NATO, a 70th anniversary, extremely important. Uh, the uh, American uh, strength in ensuring that people are stepping up in terms of their uh, military investments is certainly something we've recognized in Canada. We're increasing our defense investments by 70 percent uh, over these 10 years because we know that uh, making sure that everyone is there uh, to step up and deliver is really important. We have uh, an intense att- an uh, forward battle group in uh, Latvia, we're leading the command mission in Baghdad, uh, Canadian Well, you know, we're going to be discussing that today and it's a very interesting question, isn't it? And you know, it
7: also depends on what your definition of delinquent is. For instance, if you have a country that's paying only 1%. Here we go, you, here we go. that are paying less than 1%. And they shouldn't be. You have some that are paying less than 1% and they're wealthy countries on top of everything. Now we go to a new year and they don't pay. And now we go to yet another year and they don't pay. Well, now I ask you, do they have to pay for the back years? Okay. Now, so why is it that they owe us for this year, but every time a new year comes out, uh, they don't have to pay? It's wrong. It's not right. So I mean, you—I could say that you could go back 25 years. I won't do that with Canada, of course. But no. But you could go back. You could go back. You know, right from the beginning. Uh, where they were short of whatever goal it was at the time. It's 2% now. 2% is very low. It should be 4%. 2% is very low. But you have some that are well short of that. But they were short of it last year, the year before, the year before, the year before, right? So they're short all these years. Well, in theory, you don't just say, that's okay, you don't have to have a pay. I mean, they really owe all that money from the past. That's the way I look at it. If Germany, as an example, is paying 1% and they're supposed to be paying 2%, you're talking about billions of dollars. Well, that means that last year, the year before, the year before, all of those years, they would owe us money. You're talking about, really, you're talking about trillions of dollars. Nobody's ever brought that up. They just keep talking about the present. So if they're short one year, and then you go into the new year, they never talk about the year that they didn't pay. But they actually, in theory, owe us that money. It's not fair. It's not fair. Mr. President, as regards
6: China,
11: when you met the Prime Minister in June, you talked about being or trying to help with the two prisoners that are Canadians that are in China. Yeah. Have you made any? Well,
7: I have, and I think we've made progress. And uh, I had mentioned that to President Xi, as you know, because it was a big subject at the time. And I just hope they're being treated well. Guys, they've literally
0: spliced this. I'm trying to go to the part where, you know, he tried to BS and he's like, nah, man, tell me how much you owe. You know, um, what is it? And I remember his body movements leaning over to his advisor like – um, so how much do we owe them? Oh, is it like this much or is it this much, you know? And he was really, really uncomfortable. And uh, there we go. I think I found it.
7: Payment plan, right? I'm sure the primary There we go. He open. said that he's going to put Canada on a payment plan. Here we go. Well, but I, I put in a very, very strong word for those two prisoners. It's, now, it's I had not story to do recently, to be honest with you. I don't think he likes me so much anymore, but that's okay. And Mr. President... Uh, Canada does not meet the 2% standard. Should it have a plan to meet the 2% standard? Well, we'll put them on a payment plan, you know. We'll put Canada on a payment plan, right? I'm sure the Prime Minister would love that. What are you at? What, what is your number?
2: Uh, the number we talk about is 70% increase uh, over these past years.
0: Okay, so what number are you at? You're less than 2%. Tell me your number. Yeah, so we're at a 70% increase.
2: Uh, including and in, for the coming years. Uh, including uh, re-significant investments in our fighter jets, significant. American Trump's investments not impressed. In our he's just like, fleets. yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, we are increasing significantly our defense spending from previous governments that cut it.
0: So, so we're increasing from previous governments that cut it. He was the previous government too. But let's keep going. Listen.
2: Okay. Where are you now
7: uh, in terms of your number? Where-
0: yeah, could you just tell me your number so that we know? <laughs> this is where he puts them in a box. And he looks over to his advisor, like, where are we at?
2: 135? One 1.3. 1.3. 1.4. 1.4. And, and they're continuing they're, to move They're forward. getting
7: there. They, they, they know it's important to do that. And their economy is doing well. They'll get there quickly, I think. It's, and, look, it's to their benefit.
2: And really? the, the president knows well as well that Canada has been there for every NATO deployment we have consistently stepped up, uh, sent our troops uh, into harm's way. We're leading in, in Iraq. Uh, we're leading in NATO.
0: He's like, yeah, we're not paying, but we're doing all this stuff, you know, and other people that are paying aren't doing stuff, you know. That's basically what he's saying. But here's the fun part with Macron, and I'm going to start the the fun part of Macron. We're not even going to get into the whole, hey, this is this, this is that. We're just going to listen to the president. Um you know, respond to Macron. Okay, so this I can go. Hold on. Let me get to where the president introduces that he's talking with this uh, French minion. And let's do this. This is really good, too. A very good one. uh, We were just discussing certain things, and then we're going to have a long
7: conversation afterwards. I want to, first of all, before we begin, I want to pay my respects to the great warriors Warriors that you lost in Mali 13. Helicopters. uh, Mali,
0: right? Right by Burkina Faso, right?
7: Uh, We talked about it and please... Wonder what happened uh, there. My condolences to the families and to France. Uh, Great fighters. You've done a fantastic job in that whole area. It's a tough area. So we appreciate it very much. We'll be talking about a lot of things, including NATO and including trade. We do a lot of trade with France. We have a minor dispute. I think we'll probably be able to work it out. But... uh, we have a big trade relationship, and uh, I'm sure that within a short period of time, things will be looking very rosy, we hope. Uh, that's usually the case with the two of us. We get it worked out. We've had a lot of good, lot of good things. We've done a lot of good things together as partners. Our countries have been partners in uh, many good ventures, including some having to do with radical Islam and others. And uh, it's always worked out. So I look forward to our discussion. Nous avons fait beaucoup de progrès dans nos first 25 minutes et nous aimons faire beaucoup de progrès dans notre prochaine heure, peut-être une heure et demie.
12: Donc, merci beaucoup, you le Président. Merci beaucoup, M. le Président. Je suis heureux une fois encore de retrouver le Président Trump you, ici, euh, ici à Londres. Comme il a dit d'abord, je tiens à remercier pour ses condoléances et les mots qu'il a eus pour... Euh, this is what we
7: Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. President, President Trump, do you have a better understanding of what President Macron was saying about NATO? Well, we just began discussing NATO, and uh, what I'm liking about NATO is that a lot of countries have stepped up. I think, really, at my behest. And also, yourself, you're close to the level. Uh, but uh, they've stepped up and they put up a lot of money. I, I told you it was $130 million billion. And that's a lot. And they're now stepping up again. It's going to be $400 billion over (coughs) a very short. We have commitments for $400 billion. And we just left the Secretary General, and uh, he's got some things that are very important. And I discussed with him the flexibility so that we have it not just with one area of the world. You and I discuss this all the time. We have all areas of the world because NATO is a lot different than it was, and now it's certainly a lot different over the last three years. So we have a lot of countries stepping up and putting up a lot of money. Uh, The number as of this moment is exactly $131 billion. That's a year, and that's a tremendous amount of money, but it's not enough. And they also raise and have commitments for $400 billion. So NATO, which was really heading in the wrong direction Three years ago, it was heading down. If you look at a graph, it was to a point where I don't think they could have gone on much longer. Now it's actually very strong and getting stronger. Uh, Many people are committed to that 2 percent, and ultimately, I think the 2 percent will be raised. And uh, the President and I, I think, feel that we need more flexibility, and I think we both agree on that, so that we can use it for other things, not just uh, looking at one specific I mean, a lot of people say it was meant to look at, at originally the Soviet Union, now Russia, but we also have other things to look at, whether it's uh, radical Islamic terrorism, whether it's the tremendous growth of China. Uh, there are a lot of other things. So NATO's becoming uh, different than it was, much bigger than it was, and much stronger than it was because people are now fulfilling their commitments. There are some countries that aren't fulfilling their commitment and those countries are going to be dealt with maybe i'll deal with them from a trade standpoint maybe i'll deal with them in a different way i'll work something out where they have to pay but you know we don't want to have people delinquent we don't have we i don't think it's fair for us to be involved including france by the way to be involved and you have countries that aren't paying their way they you know less than one percent you have a couple that are less than one percent not fair so NATO's made a lot of progress over the last three years, and the word flexibility is very important. They're not just looking at one area now, they're looking at the world, and that's very important. To me, it's very important. Please.
12: No, I I know that my, my statements created some reactions and take a little bit. A lot of people, I, I, I do stand by. It. And and I have to say, when you look at what, what NATO is and should be, first of all, this is a burden we share. And President Trump just reminded you some figures and the fact that this is perfectly true that the US overinvested decades after decades and is number one by far. And I do share the statement. That's why I'm a strong supporter of a stronger European component in NATO, which is exactly what we have done. So in terms of cost sharing we are investing 1.9% of our GDP, we are increasing our GDP, we will be at the rendezvous. But when we speak about NATO, it's not just about money. We have to be respectful with our soldiers. The first burden we share, the first cost we pay, is our soldiers' lives. And I do believe that in such a circumstances, we do pay what we have to pay for collective security. When I look at the situation in Syria, in Iraq, but as well in Sahel, France is definitely present. But my third point, is that we have today strategic implications to be, to be done. It's impossible just to say, we have to put money, we have to put soldiers, without to be clear on the fundamentals of what NATO should be. And this is not the case today. What about peace in Europe? I want just a clarification about that. After the decision of the end of the INF Treaty, we have to build something new, because now this is a risk for Germany, France, and a lot of European countries to have new missiles coming from Russia, exploding out. We need such a clarification. And I want the European component to be part of the future negotiations of such a, a new INF Treaty.
0: Why do we need the IMF tree? You know, President Trump does not look at... Why do we need the bank that trades on debt to sit here and dictate? I'm sorry. What am I missing here? Are you getting this? All about money. Has nothing to do with defense. They don't care about defense because President Trump just destroyed their military-industrial complex. He's pulling everybody's pants down, and they're desperate, and now he's referring... It's an IMF treaty. We don't need the bank that trades literally with debt to create treaties. Money isn't how you achieve peace. (laughs) That's the only way you achieve, uh, uh, what would you say, Uh, amicable relationships between nations and their debt and money. This is how you create peace in business. You're talking about people, and we are not your commodity.
12: When we speak about the enemy, I would say, of the alliance, what is the objective? To protect our partners against external threats, and France will do it, and we will have full solidarity vis-à-vis eastern and northern states in Europe. But the common enemy today are the terrorist groups, as as we mentioned. And I'm sorry to say that we don't have the same definition of terrorism around the table. When I look at Turkey, they now are fighting against those who fight with us, who fought with us, shoulder to shoulder, against ISIS. And sometimes they work with ISIS proxies. This is an issue, and this is a strategic issue. If we just have discussion about what we pay, and we don't have clear discussions about such a situation, we are not serious. We are not serious for our soldiers. We are not serious for our people.
0: A very oh, my gosh. Today,
12: we need strategic clarifications.
0: Funny how he didn't speak in French this time, right? Because he was like, let me defend myself. Let me say something. IMF. <laughs> what is that word? In... That's a bad word in England. Bullocks. That's it.
12: How to build long-term peace in Europe. Who is the enemy today? And let's be clear and work on together on that. I know that we do share exactly the same thing. Having less budget exposure of the U.S. means more European investment and more clarity on the European side. I do agree. Being strict and very efficient against terrorist groups means having clear, clear definition of these groups and no ambiguity. I think we do agree.
9: So one thing
7: I will also, I'd like to say that you've been really doing a Here we go. job in Africa, and you've been very much involved there, more than most, and that's been fantastic. Uh, I appreciate you saying the United States for decades have been paying really way, way disproportionately too much for NATO, and you'd have other countries paying far too little that are very directly benefited by it uh, and by the United States involvement. And We're changing that around somewhat, and it's very important. But we're a very important player. I think, without us, NATO certainly is not the same thing, as we discuss and discuss it at length. This morning, we discussed it with Secretary General Stoltenberg. But we're behind you 100 percent. And all of the money that's been raised, and all of these countries that are all of a sudden putting up money, it's a great thing to see. But we do have a great uh, — we really have a different Objective, I think, right now we're looking at a much bigger picture, and that includes uh well, it includes you mentioned Iraq, but it really includes Iran too. I think that if you look at what's going on in Iran, they have <coughs> massive riots, they're having protests all over the country, and they're killing a lot of people. everybody knows that that's
0: okay, so. We will talk about France more tomorrow. Now let's go to the news that no one's talking about, which is the testimony of the Undersecretary of State, David Hale. Here's the opening statement from Risch, who is the chairman.
13: Garks enrich themselves through control of major industries. Russia rigs its elections to ensure only uh, Kremlin-approved politicians make the cut. Russia has targeted and expelled humanitarian organizations and free media outlets, labeling them foreign agents. And the Russian people are inhumanely imprisoned and tortured for daring to disagree with the government. Not only does the Russian Federation make life at home uh, painful for the average Russian, but Putin is also making life hard for people around the world. He has meddled in American and European elections, sowing political chaos. He has propped up the murderous regime of Syrian President al-Assad, He sells arms to human rights abusers in Africa and missile defense systems to U.S. allies and adversaries alike. And in Venezuela, Maduro continues to hang on to power as people suffer, thanks in large part uh, to Russian uh, assistance. Of course, uh, we all know about the invasions of Georgia and Ukraine over the years and about the poisoning of uh, people, Russian people, in London on foreign – on other sovereign soil. The world today is more dangerous and less free because of the Russian Federation. As a result, the U.S. relationship with Russia is at a low point. During the, during the height of the Cold War, our leaders had a lifeline to ensure that neither side made a disastrous miscalculation, the famous red phone. Today, our engagements with Russia are few, and there is a growing risk of a strategic miscalculation on the seas, the ground or in the skies. To be clear, our problems are with Putin and his cronies. To date, the US and our allies have been pretty tough on the uh, Putin regime. Since 2014, we have imposed sanctions on dozens of Russian nationals and companies that have been involved in the illegal takeover of Crimea, the war in the east of Ukraine, the downing of flight MH17, as well as human rights abuses in Russia. In 2018, after Russia used chemical weapons on territory of a NATO ally, We closed two Russian consulates and helped coordinate a 20-country expulsion of undeclared Russian spies. The U.S. now rotates uh, troops through through Poland and through the enhanced forward presence. NATO has stationed troops in the Baltics, and America has provided lethal and non-lethal defensive weapons to help Ukraine defend itself from Russian-backed separatists. Each of these sanctions is important to countering Russia's malign global influence. However, they do not form a cohesive U.S. strategy. To successfully deter future aggression, America, including Congress, must think strategically about Russia now and in the future. I encourage today's witnesses to discuss the administration's current strategy towards Russia and what it is intended to accomplish. But I must also urge caution to the administration and Congress about focusing our strategy on sanctions. Sanctions are not a strategy For dealing with Russia. They are simply a tool. While U.S. financial uh, preeminence makes sanctions an easy and somewhat effective tool, I have serious concerns about the consequences of their overuse, particularly in the absence of a larger strategy. (coughs) More sanctions don't necessarily make us tougher on Russia. And I'm concerned about the rush to sanction in the absence of concrete policy goals. The Nord Stream 2 bill from Senator Cruz and Shaheen was a well-targeted sanctions bill with a clear policy goal in mind. But more general sanctions actions, when not connected to specific goals, can be counterproductive. And sanctions not done in coordination with our European allies, who are far closer to Russia, in both distance and connectivity, is a dangerous action that can undermine our alliances. (coughs) In some cases, when insufficiently vetted, sanctions have been inadvertently helped advance Putin's goals of economic consolidation and (coughs) reinvigoration of Russian industry. These cannot be the outcomes we want. I assume these are outcomes we actually oppose. So with that, I'll yield to Senator Mendez.
6: Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thanks for calling this very important hearing, which We've been seeking for some time. I appreciate you doing that. Secretaries Hale and Ford, uh, thank you for joining us today to talk about the administration's policy with respect to the Russian Federation. Before we hear from our witnesses, I'd like to outline five essential elements that I believe should comprise our policy on the Russian Federation. First, we must make very clear that so many examples of Kremlin aggression since invasion of Georgia in 2008 are simply unacceptable and cannot become the norm in international affairs. The invasion of Ukraine, illegal occupation of Crimea, the attempted assassination of regime opponents with chemical weapons on foreign soil, committing war crimes in Syria, the attack on our 2016 election, these are just some. Russia is clearly not a country that belongs in the G7, despite whatever President Trump might believe. It is still mystifying that President Trump refuses to stand up to this behavior. To this day, he says that the Kremlin attack on our election was a hoax, repeating lies from Kremlin propaganda. Okay,
0: let's stop Menendez because he's so annoying, such a baby. He's just sitting there crying about Russia, 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 and how, you know, Russia being the second global leader. So first America, second Russia, third China— uh, you know, they shouldn't be in the G7, right? We should exclude one of the biggest powers because isolating someone that can actually compete with you is the right way to go. How did that work out for you guys with the average American citizens? Not so well. So this is, uh, you know, pretty interesting and telling. Take a listen to this.
9: Cruise missile that was successfully flight tested last August. Um, but yes, they assumed we'd remain in compliance and that they... And indeed, are correct for a while that they would be able to get away with uh, not just testing, uh, but developing and deploying uh, a treaty-prohibited system uh, in the hope that we wouldn't uh, wouldn't respond to it. Um, why they did not do something like that with New START is something that I wouldn't be in a position to hazard a guess about, but they don't seem to have decided they needed to. But I would point out, Mr. Chairman, that Russia is developing today and indeed openly brags about the um, the. De- the the development of uh, new strategic delivery systems, uh, most of which it is very difficult to imagine would ever be brought within the New START uh, arms control framework. Um, We have seen uh, President Putin brag about his development of a new super-heavy ICBM, about a development of a nuclear-powered and nuclear-armed underwater drone. Um, We have – we are now all familiar with the, the, the sort of flying Chernobyl disaster of their uh, nuclear-powered cruise missile that uh, had such a catastrophic near-criticality criti- incident, I should say, um, up in the, in the White Sea area just last August. Um, they are developing a whole range of systems, including an air-launched ballistic missile. Um, most of these are not likely to fall within New START, and these are things on which the Russians are already working very hard today. Um, so – and that's leaving aside the issue of their development of non-strategic weapons. As I indicated, they already have a large arsenal. And it is projected to grow uh, dramatically over the next decade or so as well. So these are things Russia is already deciding to do and moving out upon um, outside of the framework of current arms control. And that's something that we need to make sure that our policy is in a position to address.
0: Okay, so remember how I've been talking about this start deal, the new start deal, whatever start deal. Let's just call it the start deal. This is about controlling nuclear warfare. And Russia actually came to the table last year and said, what's going on? Why is no one coming? This is expiring in 2021 and we're not even negotiating. So here we have the undersecretary responding about our policy toward Russia because Russia said, if people don't come to the table, we're going to have nukes already that are in space coming down. And they're developing, of course they would, wouldn't you? I mean, I'm just saying, if the whole world is isolating you, you're going to develop weapons because you don't want to be taken over. You want to defend yourself. It's actual just common sense. So pointing out that they're developing, of course they are. They're the only nation on the planet that has zero debt, zero debt. They actually have a surplus. They are the second largest economy. First is the United States, They're second, and then come in China. So we need to be talking with them. We need to be treating them as an equal partner in in the global economy and try to create good relations to demonstrate how important it is that we don't blow up our planet and that we can live in harmony. Yet here we have people gaslighting because Russia doesn't allow the military-industrial complex Trump doesn't want it either, and then all these people are not rich anymore. So because they want to maintain power, it's kind of like, if we can't have power, no one lives.
13: Thank you, Dr. Ford. Senator Menendez. Uh,
6: Thank you. Uh, Secretary Hale, did Russia interfere in the 2016 election in favor of Donald Trump?
0: Elections. So we're asking him about elections, not about nuclear energy that's important. Listen to this.
6: Could you put your microphone on, please?
3: Yes, the intelligence community assessed that Russian President Vladimir Putin ordered an influence campaign in 2016 aimed at our
6: presidential election. Was the Kremlin's interference in our 2016 election a hoax? No. Are you aware of any evidence that Ukraine interfered in the 2016 U.S. election? I am not. You know, uh, I appreciate – Dr. Fiona Hill's testimony before the House, the former National Security Council Director for Europe and Russia, who said that that theory is a fictional narrative that is being perpetrated and propagated by the Russian security services themselves. Do you have any reason to disagree with Dr. Hill? I do not. In uh, February of 2017- Let's skip over this rubbish.
0: Gosh darn it! Why do they keep doing this? Darn YouTube. That's kind of owned by Google. Witnesses for joining us. It's just horrible. Um, This was a two-hour session, and so um, since the live feed had ended, it's very difficult for me to just jump to the markers that I had for you. What's important for you to understand is that here we need to be talking about nuclear energy, and we've got the Russia collusion narrative that they're trying to push. Um, you know, uh, in any shape or form they can. Hold
13: we on. has also been delegated the authorities and functions of the Office of uh, the Undersecretary for Arms Control and International Security. Dr. Ford previously served as Arms Senior Control? Director for That's Weapons where he of said. Mass Destruction and Counterproliferation at the National Security Council. Dr. Ford began his public service in 1996 as Assistant Counsel to the Intelligence Oversight Board, then served on several... Here congress-
0: we go. Marker. So uh,
13: with that... SENATOR JOHNSON.
14: MR. Hey, you, Mr. Chairman, Assistant Secretary Ford's long – let me just follow up on that and give you the opportunity. Uh, what is your reluctance to impose the mandatory sanctions on a NATO ally? Uh,
9: SECRETARY POMPEO HAS MADE VERY CLEAR THAT HE WILL COMPLY – WE WILL COMPLY WITH THE CATSA LAW. Um, this is a deliberative process that is still currently underway. Um, Ranking Member Menendez is quite correct. We did sanction China. Uh, for taking possession actually not just of s-400s but of uh, sukhoi fighters as well flankers Um, we they took possession in january of 2018 and it was approximately eight months later in september that we uh, issued our sanctions determination with respect to the chinese procurement entity uh, known as edd as well as its director Um, so uh, that as the nature of these things go, that was a deliberative process that we needed to work through in order to make sure that we understood uh, the implications and had done our homework with regard to the sanctions that we did impose upon the Chinese procurement entity. Um, so that is indeed the precedent here. It was it took about eight months to do that, uh, uh, rather longer than 144 days. Um, the deliberative process with respect to Turkey is still underway, and uh, uh, that's where we presently are, sir.
14: Okay. I want to give you an opportunity to explain that. Um, Undersecretary Hale, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the Broadcast Board of Governors and the capability that uh, has been appropriated for but just has not been particularly used to try and circumvent the firewalls in, around the, the Internet into countries like Russia, China, Iran. Uh, they have not used the appropriations. Uh, they seem reluctant to do so. Uh, we had the uh, confirmation hearing of Michael Pack, the uh, director. The nominee to be director of Ross Board of Governors, that nomination seems to be a little bit snagged. Uh, hopefully we can get uh, that individual confirmed. Uh, can you just, is it the administration policy to aggressively pursue those types of technologies that can circumvent the Internet firewalls imposed by countries like Russia and China and Iran? Yes, it is. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Why haven't we done it? There seems to be a real reluctance and spend more of the money of the Broadcasting Board of Governors, Voice of America, those types of things, Radio for Europe, on broadcast uh, programs as opposed to technology that uh, opens up the free internet to repressed uh, citizens.
0: Did you hear that, guys? Okay, so this is where you can see swamp creatures. They want to know why we haven't developed technology to break down other countries' internets So we can penetrate their cyberspace to liberate people and have access. Listen carefully. This is super duper important. Remember what I told you? They took them down to reinforce their firewalls to exclude all globalists. So that way, one, their elections that they're having in February aren't meddled with. And two, they can be liberated correctly. We have helped them. But here they are probing, asking why we're not messing with their elections, why we're not messing with their internet. That is exactly what he's pushing here. Listen to his words.
3: I agree with the thrust of your your concern, and uh, unfortunately that's not an area of my direct
14: responsibility, so I will have to get back some answers for you on this. But that makes sense to you, correct? Yes. yes. Okay. <clears throat> um, again, hopefully this committee can can uh, pass Michael, or can, recommend his confirmation to the, the Senate as soon as possible. Uh, Mr. Hale, I'd also just kind of like to get your evaluation of Russia's current relationship with, and you only have two minutes, so pick and choose. I'd like to understand, you know, China's thinking right, or Russia's thinking right now, The relationship to China, uh, to Iran, and to Turkey.
3: Well, I think that in general, um, Russian behavior is characterized by opportunism. Uh, They look for opportunities in order to deflect attention to their internal problems, uh, and they use aggressive tactics to try to undermine U.S. interests and those of our allies in the West. Uh, So I think in that context and the context of great power competition, Russia and China are finding some congruences of interests. Both want to sort of subvert our values, both want to uh, harm our economies, both want to interfere with our democratic practices so i would put that in that context there are also differences frankly of interests between china and russia but we need to watch very closely what's happening between those two countries um, when it comes to uh, to turkey again i would i would characterize it as opportunism uh, turkey is seeking to promote its own interests in various ways at times uh, in congruence with us at other times we've had uh, to work out our differences and i think russia seeks to exploit those openings when they can um, with Iran, I say that Russia probably plays a less prominent role uh, in, uh, in Iran today than in other periods of history. Um, we continue to consult with Russia, by the way, on all of these topics. We'd like to find areas where we can find commonalities of interest, but it's been difficult to do that. But when it comes to North Korea, to uh, Syria, to Iran, to Ukraine, uh, to Venezuela, uh, to Libya, uh, arms control issues, counterterrorism, we do have dialogues
14: to try to find common ground. So going back to my original question in terms of the mandatory sanctions under CAATSA, is part of the deliberative process, is part of the, a concern that in, in imposing those, uh, we're going to basically push Turkey right into the, the, the welcoming arms of Russia? Well, um,
3: we are obviously not interested in doing that. We want to make sure that Turkey is anchored fully in NATO as it is today. That's, that's a long-term U.S. strategic objective. Uh, We are trying to, of course, in addition to the points that the Assistant Secretary made, uh, we are in discussions with the Turks on the disposition of the S-400s in a a manner that will uh, protect U.S. national security interests and counter Russia's malign influence.
14: Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Senator Cardin.
2: Well, let me thank both of our witnesses and thank the Chair and ranking member for this hearing. Uh, uh, Secretary, I want to follow up on the questions on the
5: Meddling in the elections.
2: Okay, we're going to skip him. We you don't need to hear
0: that. Next.
5: Secretary Ford, I, I was a lead Republican on some legislation uh, dropped with Senator Van Hollen er- earlier this year uh, that would uh, ensure the U.S. made every effort to engage in New START negotiations and ensure whatever limitations uh, were reached through those negotiations were adequate. Uh, we did uh, address the China issue, which I'll get to momentarily in our legislation, but um, I think I, I just heard you, which is consistent with everything I, I read and hear, indicate that Russia is, is currently in compliance uh, with, with New START, right?
9: Uh, we, we do, sir, believe that they are in compliance with their New START, with the central treaty limits. Uh, we are both okay. parties in compliance.
5: Okay. Um, is there enough time to ne- negotiate Um, a a renewal of New Start? It's starting to become a real concern because we're at the 15-month mark uh, from when New Start will expire and and we're running out of time. So um, do you feel the same sense of urgency towards uh, renewal?
9: Well, I think there is, in fact, plenty of time to extend if that decision were to be taken. Uh, extension is not something that would be particularly negotiated because it could be simply extended on its own terms. That would simply take agreement of the two parties. In theory, that could be done very quickly indeed.
5: But but, but it sounds as though there are some reservations to just pure extension on account of the China dynamic, which I think is a fair one, which is why um, Senator Van Hollen and I included that in our um, in our resolution. So um, among other things, the legislation that we've put forward would require our Director of National Intelligence to assess um, uh, the, the impact that a renewal or an extension would have on China's actions. Um, you know, whether if we stayed in or stayed out, well, what might China do and, and what would the likelihood uh, of, of Chinese Compliance with the parameters of of New Start, what would the likelihood of of that be?
0: Uh, Okay, so because we're running out of time, uh, let me just recap. New Start is really important. You're starting to see the stuff that I talked about months ago, which was this agreement. And I said, Putin was like, yo, we need to talk about it. We talked about it during the Arctic Council meeting months and months, almost a year ago, where, you know, China is entering the Arctic space as a guest of Russia. Russia made it clear. People have nuclear weapons in space. This is detrimental. Why is nobody talking? But people were so busy with Mueller, so busy with this rubbish of impeaching the president that they're leaving it to the side. Now, President Trump is very smart. He is keeping them close and like said. We are negotiating with them all the time. We're finding common grounds in Turkey, common in, grounds in Syria, in Libya, in you know Iran, in Venezuela. We're coming together because it is important that they realize that we're up for negotiations. If this agreement is not renewed or redone, and we do not address the fact that China has already deployed nuclear weapons into space, Hence the stress of space. Hence the stress of space force. It is not going to work out well. And it is horrific and disgusting that no one in the House and no one in the Senate actually took heed and started on this faster. I'm glad that they're talking about it now. But it's, you know, someone would say it's never too late. But you can't extend an agreement when China has taken it to that level. And Russia was the one that told us. So, you know, think about it. The president is fighting it on all fronts. We got the spiritual, we got the outer space, and we've got the ground and the national because Pelosi was just in Madrid defying what the president said on climate change too. Why is she still there? Oh, and by the way, I was right. Kamala Harris is out. Should have seen it. Writing on the wall when they said, oh, we bought TV airtime because she was ousted yesterday for not having money for TV airtime. That tells you what. She's out, and she is. She made the official announcement. I retweeted it. On that note, I'll see you all tomorrow, same time, same place, only on Red State Talk Radio. God bless.